So uh, what we're after is lesson 15. If you have your sure word book, go ahead and open up. If you don't have it, that's okay. It's not required. It's just a little bit helpful. When you look at the page here and lesson 15, sure word Bible studies, the title, the text, what comes to mind? Just throw out some quick answers. What comes to mind? We're not going to spend a whole lot of time discussing just yet because we'll get through some material. A challenge. A challenge? What else? Legal. What is it? Legal view. Legal view? Okay. What do you think of when you hear the word test? Does it produce anxiety, worry, confidence? Crunch time. Crunch time? Well, the first paragraph of our book kind of goes through it, and it talks about some stuff. We've covered a lot of different topics, but this lesson focuses on the Sabbath. It's concerned with the commandment which says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The lesson goes on to talk about that in Christianity, there is some confusion. Yeah, maybe a lot of confusion about the Sabbath. Some people go to church on Sunday. Some people go to church on Saturday. Some religions go to church on Friday. Mm -hmm. So what's going on with all of that? Is going to church the determining factor about the Sabbath or not? Or does the Sabbath mean something more? And so we're going to kind of get into that a little bit more. So also many religions believe, many people believe that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what day you go to church on. It doesn't matter as long as you take a Sabbath. A Sabbath means rest. Take a break. A lot of people believe that too. It doesn't really matter. So the question is, does it matter? And if it does, what's the point? What are, what are we trying to achieve? You guys follow me so far? So let's just spend a little bit of time and let's go through the Bible. And let's just get some answers to figure out... Some, some biblical ideas of what the Sabbath is. So if you're in your book, it's on the bottom of page 193. I also have it on our slide. But our first text we're going to look at is this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So this text tells us what? That God has a day. Right? On the Lord's day, God has a day. All right, let's go to the next one. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So the Lord has a day, and Sabbath is the Lord's day. Right? I was born on a day. What day of the week was I born, Mom? On the 27th. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. My son, you failed. No. So my son Bo was born on a Friday, right? So Boaz has a day, and Friday is his day, right? That's the day he was born. That's the way you can understand this. God has a day, and Sabbath is his day. What's the next verse? Exodus twenty, verse ten. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. That's the fourth commandment. The Lord has a day, 
the Sabbath is the Lord's day. The seventh day is the Sabbath. That's the Lord's day. So we can kind of pull this out of some Bible from the Bible to get to get the idea. So the lesson brings up an interesting point on page 194, right smack dab in the middle. What do you guys think of what the authors say here? It isn't the Sabbath of the Lord, not the Jewish Sabbath, or my Sabbath, or your Sabbath, but it's the Lord's Sabbath. So is it safe to say the Sabbath says more about God than it does anything else? There's a message there. There's something about Sabbath, or the Sabbath day, that's revealing something about God. The emphasis is the emphasis is on him. Agree? Disagree? We got agree? Agree? Yes. Well, let's look at another one here. Genesis chapter 2, 2 through 3. Chapter 2, verse 2. This is God in creation. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which, we, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Let's pause right there. Let's think about this. What work did God do? just complete creation. creation he put out a bunch of power a bunch of energy a yeah. bunch of like imagine okay we weren't there yet <laughs> we weren't there but who was there we've talked about the great controversy a lot angels heavenly hosts great controversy in heaven satan fallen angels they're watching god do all this now if you didn't know any better and you were watching somebody do some stuff that was blowing your mind. Mm -hmm. To you, it might look like magic, like a magician, right? Have you guys known the, he's a street magician. What's his name? He's really popular. He does weird stuff. He had a TV show for a long time. David Blaine. David Blaine. Thank you. Anybody watch any of him do his stuff? Blow your mind. Like he had frogs in his throat and he kept spitting them into a cup as he's drinking water. He pulled somebody's tooth out and then like put the tooth back in like... He does some wild stuff. I've watched him like take a like a needle like that long and stick it right through this side and out the other. There's a thing through his arm. He's like, it's fine. It's good. Pull it out. Someone else pulled it out. Like, blow your mind insane. I don't understand. It's magic to me. So imagine the heavenly host watching God do all this stuff. It's like magic to them. I don't know how he's doing that. That's insane. He is the most power here. But then what does God do when he's done doing all this power, creating all this stuff? What does he do? He takes a break. He stops using power. He rests. Does he command anybody in Genesis to rest? In Genesis chapter 2, does he command anybody to rest? He does not. He said, I choose to rest. I'm taking a break the work I did. That's a really important piece that we're going to come back to later that talks about the Lord's Sabbath. It says more about him than it does anything else. So how is that a test? Not there yet? Not there yet? Just trying to work that in. Well, let's jump to page 195. Right in the middle, you're going to find Exodus chapter 16. I don't have it on a slide here, but we're just going to kind of talk about it a little bit and, and present this view because it's important that we, we look at all the evidence. The author, the author of the study, 
uses this as evidence that the Sabbath is a test. Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will work, whether they will walk in my law or not. Verse 26. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which, this, which is the Sabbath, there'll be none. Now the author makes this point. Keeping the Sabbath was a test to them to see if they would trust God's word and follow it or not. That was God's purpose in withholding the manna on the seventh day, but know what happened. In other words, some people went out to gather anyway. They didn't trust God's word. There wasn't any food for them to gather. They got hungry. God got upset. And he says, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? paragraph following that says why did those people go out on the seventh day to gather when God had told them that there would be no manna because they did not trust his word they failed the test what is stirred up for you in that does it make sense does it sound legit or do you go I don't to me manna was the test not the Sabbath manna was the test he had told them It's sort of like an Akashi type thing. Well, if, okay, if you have kids and you and you tell them, okay, this is going to happen today, but tomorrow it just isn't, you know, but the kid doesn't believe you and they still go and try to jump in the pool when you drink the water the night before. Um, the kid didn't believe you when you said, blah, blah. But it wasn't that that, that, that day was the test. It was that whether or not you're still believe what I say to you. Does that does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah. So let's see. Let's go through a couple more interesting points because I think this is really important to understand. You know, we collective journey. We worship on Sabbath, the seventh day, Saturday mornings, and as part of the Seventh Day Adventist Church, we also believe in and worship on the Sabbath day, the seventh day. I've, I've had, maybe someone here is also could say, I'll get to you in a second. The, some people say, well, that was changed. The Sabbath was changed from Saturday, the seventh day, to Sunday, the first day. Right? And that's where a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of other religions worship on the first day of the week, Sunday. And I'm, and I'm not at all taking the position that there's a right and wrong to that. At all am I taking that position. Okay? So we'll get to Seth, and then we're going to get into Scripture here to see what took place in the New Testament... To see if we can figure out, well, how do we know that seventh day is actually Saturday, not Sunday? I mean, we're talking 2,000 years here. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to look at some biblical evidence to try to track some things down. Seth, get it. Uh, I have a quick question. Um, so, the Ten Commandments were already out by that point in the verses that we just read? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, like in Exodus 16 with the manna? Yeah. If you look at chrono chronologically, God gave the Ten Commandments on Sinai, chapter 20-ish. So the manna and stuff would have happened before that. Uh, all right. Never mind. Okay. Fair enough. 
So, let's check out some stuff here. Luke chapter 23, verses 53 and 54. Uh, we're going to focus on just that kind of section there. But Jesus said, after Jesus' death, there was a council member named Joseph who had compassion over Jesus and he wanted to bury him. And so he said, then Joseph took it down, that's the body of Jesus, wrapped him in a linen, and laid him in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. Or understand this to be known as Good Friday, the day Christ was crucified. The Sabbath is drawing near. It's not quite there yet. Let's flip to a couple more verses. Verse 55 and 56. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. What day is after Good Friday? Every year we celebrate Good Friday, which is on what day do we? Friday. Friday. Yeah. So the next day would have been Saturday, seventh day of the week. Well, let's go one more verse here. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. What day would this have been? Like the next day. Sunday. So yeah, you can clearly see like there's a progression. One day, second day, third day. There's not, you know, this is a linear story that is being, show, uh, being told here. So why is this important? Well, it's important to also understand that the Jewish religion, you can check any histories, any Jewish writings, they have kept the same day as Sabbath for thousands of years. They've not, they've not stopped week after week after week after week. Right? So there's lots of evidence to show that, you know, when God created in six days, the seventh day he rested. And then we're going to get into the commandment next and really unpack that. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I blow your minds because that's really fun. <laughs> but So we'll get into some, some commandments about that. Yeah. But we can look at Christ's death, Good Friday, his rest in the tomb over Sabbath, his resurrection on Sunday. And we can look at the Jewish religion and see that they've been keeping the same Sabbath for thousands of years. So it's very easy to say that the, our calendar of the seventh day is the, is, is, seventh day. It's been that way for a long time. Any questions or comments about that before we move on? Alright, now let's get into something interesting. Who needed rest that first Sabbath? In our lesson, page 197, the bottom paragraph, let's unpack this a little bit. The Lord who created the world also blessed and sanctified the Sabbath day as a day of rest. But who needed rest that first Sabbath? God never gets tired. Adam and Eve had just been created, and they didn't need rest. Now let's pause right there. Let's look up from our books, and let's ask a question. Had sin entered the world yet? Well, yes, Satan was still present, but Adam and Eve hadn't sinned yet. They were still sinless, perfect beings. 
they didn't work a, a long work week and had 70 hours and needed a day off. God never gets tired. Could it be we're looking at rest from our understanding of rest, from, from, a, from a, a rest from your work because you're wore out and you need rejuvenation? But what if we looked at it from a different perspective, like I rest my case? Doesn't an attorney say that? After he has presented everything, after an attorney has presented all of the evidence to the court, all the evidence to the jury, all the evidence to the judge, doesn't the attorney say, I rest my case, and he sits down? What does that mean? I rest my case. What does that mean? I put forth my defense, my facts. I put forth my facts, yep. my facts. I got it all out there. I rest my case. What happens next? What does the jury do? Deliberate. The judgment is delivered. The judgment is delivered after the jury does what? Deliberates. Deliberates. What does that mean? Takes all the evidence the attorney gave. They go over here. They pour through it. They come over. They look at all the evidence. And they decide. And make a decision. What does the attorney do while all that's going on? Nothing. He doesn't do nothing. They, they wait. I rest my case. I've got nothing more to put out. I rest. I wait. You decide. I've never really under this, understood this part where the, the whole courtroom setup of this. <coughs> Excuse me, but I, I can say that much when somebody sure. was talking about this idea right and but it's always been confusing at the same time because that's how i came to this church just through um right. evangelism right. so right. it just didn't feel right it's like yeah and, it, and, it, and it's and it's interesting how we can hear the way things are described and and how the picture is painted for us. And yeah, sometimes you can come away going like, yeah, but I don't know, something just doesn't feel right there. I can't put my finger on it yet, but something doesn't feel right, right? Mm -hmm. So how could God say, and he rests on the seventh day? Well, let's back up before creation. Satan in heaven was known as Lucifer. He said, I want to be like God. Why can't I be worshipped as God? We find evidence of that a lot in the Old Testament. We talk about it a lot. This is the great controversy. Satan says to the universe, God can't be trusted. Satan never said God's not powerful. All right? The Bible says that even the demons believe and they tremble in fear. Right? So the issue has never been that God isn't powerful. The issue has always been God can't be trusted with the power. Can't trust God. That's what Satan's all about. It's an attack against his character. So imagine creation, the week of creation, as the great courtroom scene. 
The jury is the onlooking universe. The accusing attorney is Satan. The person on trial is God. God's character. So God says, okay, there's no attorney here representing me. I represent myself in this scene. Then God shows up and he says, watch me. I am going to present all the evidence I can. And he creates life. He creates life and process of life and systems of life out of nothing. Genesis 1 says the earth was void, voidless and void. There's nothing there, a dark abyss. And he brings forth this beautiful creation. It's in harmony with himself. And he, he creates beings with godlike powers who can come together and create beings in their image. He, he gave all of creation his power to create beings in their image. Yeah? Look at all the animals. Look at us. That's what God did. And after he presented all of this evidence, he, he gave all of this power, all of this information, he said, I rest in my case. On the seventh day, God rested from the work he had done. And he sanctified and he hallowed it. Meaning, I rest. I'm not. You just saw this power, but I'm not going to make you believe it. I'm not going to force you to trust me through it. I'm going to rest. You take all that information, and you go do with it as you need to, and then you decide. That's how that can kind of play out. Yeah, how about that? Let's see if it'll get... If it'll give it back to me or not, because I was just fixing to go to the next slide when that happened. Huh. So then how do we take that idea when God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He created the Sabbath at creation. How do we understand that then? How do we apply that in our lives? What kind of character does a person have who does that? An attorney who shows up gives you all the evidence, rests his case. What kind of character is that? What kind of person is that? Somebody with free will. Free will? He's honoring free will? Non-coercive? Patience. He's patient. He's thorough. He's detailed. Honest. He's honest. Thank you, Diego. Yes. Exactly, because if you're not honestly getting forth all of your information, it's going to come back and bite you, right? So let's look at the Sabbath through the idea of character. Let's look at the commandment. This is the fourth commandment, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Most people that I am aware, my experience, the focus is on the day. The focus is on the day, keeping the day holy, keeping the, the, the emphasis on guarding the boundaries of the Sabbath, this day. Or am I the only one that's hurting? Mm -hmm. 
So let's, let's wrestle with this a little bit and let's see where this takes us, okay? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Let's focus on this, okay? The key word in this verse is it. The Hebrew translation of it is who. In other words, it's a pronoun. The Hebrew word for it is a pronoun. It refers to Sabbath. Correct. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's a pronoun. The meanings of this Hebrew word are things like that, him, same, this, he, which, who, such, and wherein. Like that. That's how you can kind of translate the Hebrew word. Other examples are he or she or it. In essence, the Hebrew word means himself. Now let's look at the next Hebrew word. The Sabbath day to keep it and then the word holy. Let's focus on the word holy. It comes from the Hebrew word which means kadesh, kadash, kadesh, and it means to set apart or to separate. So in other words, you can understand the fourth commandment that talks about the Sabbath to read like this. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping yourself holy. Remember the Sabbath day in order to keep yourself set apart. Thoughts on that? Because what did God do on the seventh day? He rested. He set apart from his work. What else did he do? What was he being accused of? He's coercive, he's manipulative, he's severe. You can't trust him with the power. You actually don't have freedom. So God rested on the seventh day. He set himself apart from the lies that are out there. And he, excuse me, demonstrated something different. thoughts going on right now, I think, in people's minds, huh? He sat back and let them use their free will to decide what they wanted. Yep. Okay. To do. Follow yep. this seventh-day Sabbath or keep doing what they want to do. So let me ask this question. What are we supposed to keep ourselves separate from? What was that, buddy? The world. The world. Our busy work week. Our busy work week? I'm going with what Angel said. The world. Why? The world sucks the life out of you. <laughs> the world sucks the life out of you. Anybody else? Too busy. Too busy? Somebody once told me that the Sabbath, can, and I kind of adopted it, um, you can have a vacation from the week every week. True. But what does the world operate on? How does the world operate? Me first. Mm -hmm. get, get mine, you know. 
kill or be killed, selfishness, fear. That's, that's what the world operates on. What does God operate on? What is Jesus? Love. Selflessness. Giving. Freedom. Letting you decide. Well, that's what God did in creation. He did a bunch of stuff and then he stopped doing a bunch of stuff and let, he rested his case. Let you free to decide. That's contrary to the world because what is Satan doing? Angel. It's also when God gave So let's go to the next question, and that would be this idea of set yourself apart. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping yourself holy or keeping yourself set apart from. And let's look at what that process looks like. This is Romans chapter 12. This is Paul writing. I have two different versions up here. Let's read the NASB first, and then we'll read the remedy. The NASB says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The remedy says, do not continue to practice the destructive methods of selfishness, which infect the world, but be completely transformed into God's image by the renewing of your mind. Then you will value God's principles, practice his methods, and discern his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The world doesn't practice God's methods. The world is opposite of that. So if you were to, and this is why at our church, we have a, a strong emphasis on like growth, personal growth, healing, be, you know, seeking the healing and restoration of our hearts and minds because it's also tied to the Sabbath. Because can you transform your mind? Can you go through a healing journey one day a week? Joe, you shared your sobriety. If you only worked on your sobriety one day a week, what would be the result of that? Failure. Straight up, failure. Why? Because I think you, you know, you know whether, you know, if you have a relationship with God, is one day a week. I, it's just I think that's a. I think people, when we think when we go to church, uh, that's what I'm going to get my God in. I'm going to get my God in for this hour, hour and a half. Yep, I see y'all. Yep, got my God in. I'm good. I can leave here. I can go do my earthly things. And that's just going to. If I don't have, if I don't, if I don't walk with God and talk with God 24/7, I am nothing. Please. Oh, let's explain it this way. <clears throat> um, kind of, kind of in contrast, loosely with human friends. That way, if you have a person you only see once a week, do you think they would be a friend or an acquaintance? Okay. Well, if you have 
it's, if you try to do that with God and just meet him once a week on the Sabbath, is that an acquaintance or a friend or a savior or a relationship at all? Okay. Because if I... If I, if I have friends anywhere that I only talk to once a week, that's not much of a priority to make them from the step of acquaintance to friend. Right. Right. And I agree with that. And I think that what's and, – and that fits, right? But when I look at the – what I believe to be the true – the message and the truth about what the Sabbath is, it has to do with character. And it, and it reveals the kind of person God is. And in turn, also reveals the kind of person you believe to be, you believe God to be. Yeah. That's why I have a hard time with a couple times the author talked about the Sabbath was a test. I don't believe that. I believe in a loving. See my slide I put up there? So how is the Sabbath test? What is being tested? But maybe more importantly, who is being tested? This goes back to the question about his love. Do you think God is still on trial today? Of course. In whose mind? In whose eyes? Ours. Us. Us. God is still on trial with us. Now that's a crazy idea for some people to, to think about. But let's unpack this a little bit. Here's how I know this is true. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. This is the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel. Listen to what he says. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. This is a scene that's played out in the Old Testament, book of 1 Kings, where there were 400 prophets of Baal. Baal is a pagan god. Baal is not a creator. Baal required 
offerings. He required sacrifice in order to gain blessings, or he required sacrifices to turn away his anger so he didn't punish you. Baal is a pagan god. The creator god doesn't work like that. Elijah said, how long are you going to go back and forth? So if you're going back and forth between two options, what are you looking for? A reason to make a decision. And you haven't made your decision yet because why? Remember we talked at the beginning of our discussion? Have you ever read something and you were like, uh, is that that's Lisa's story? I don't know about that. Something was presented to you in a way and you're like, hmm, something's missing there. Are you going to make a decision? No, you're, you're going to waver back and forth. You're not quite sure yet. How is, the, how is the Sabbath the test? Who's being tested? Well, let's look at another one. This is Revelation. This is the three angels' message. This is our time in history. An angel, I heard an angel saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made what? Heaven. Earth. The sea and the fountains of waters. Didn't we read a verse in Genesis where God said, After I created the earth, the sea, the waters, I rested. See how those are connected? A lot of people read this verse and they go, the hour of God's judgment is here. God has come to judge you. No. It's the other way around. It is time for us to judge God. It is time for us to look at the evidence about God we're going to leave the courtroom, the jury, we're going to go to the room, and we're going to deliberate about all this evidence because God has rested his case. And it's time for us to make a decision about God. Is God like the creator? Or is God like an angry, vengeful, doom and gloom, burn you in hell God? We, we talk about that all the time, Joe. I want to suggest to you that when Jesus was walking around on the earth, and we read this verse in the beginning of our discussion here in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, I want to suggest to you that God gave us the Sabbath as a tool to help us accurately determine if the God we're worshiping is the true God. Is the God we're worshiping a God that's not trusted with the power, or is the God we're worshiping one who takes a break and lets you decide for yourself? Who's not coercive? Because in the Sabbath commandment, when it says, thou shalt do no work, or your servant, in our days, who are our servants? If you own a business, it's someone who works for you, right? Or your animals. In other words, what is the Sabbath commandment all about? Freedom. Freedom. Don't force anybody to do anything. Don't force yourself to do something. Rest. Be free. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work and do all your labor. The seventh, and then he rested from his work. It's revealing something. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? Of course, yeah. 
So it's not taking away from the important facts that like stopping our work, taking a day to rest, spending time with God. Those are all beneficial things. Those are all what we call spiritual disciplines that we should do every day. That's not to take away any of that stuff. Eternal life is to know God, John 17, 3. Those were Jesus' words. Eternal life is to know God. There was somebody who made some lies about God. If you believe those lies about God, then do you know God? No. You believe and know a false picture of God. You follow me on that? So Jesus said eternal life is to know the truth about God. To know God. In Psalms, the prophet David writes in Psalms 34, taste and see, finish it, that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If somebody came to you, my mom makes some amazing cookies. You've got to try it. It's a new recipe. Now, I'm just going to try it because like, there's a long history that shows that mama makes some good cookies. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But like, if someone just walked up to you off the street, said, you got to try this. It's really good. And you don't know them from Adam. Are you just going to randomly take it? Is there going to be a party that's like, mm, mm, why do you waver between two opinions? Because I don't have all the information yet. So I take the cookie I taste and I see for myself, holy cow, that's delicious. Where did you get that? And they got it from my mom. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? It's like... <laughs> So could it be that when God says, remember the Sabbath day, keeping yourself set apart, he's connecting with design law. He's connecting it with his character. He's connecting it as a tool that says, when you're worshiping the right God and you're opening a heart to trust, you have a whole bunch of used to stories. You can see evidence of how your life is growing and changing. And you end up acting just like he acts. His character is reproduced in you. And when you look at the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day, keeping yourself set apart. Well, you don't look like the world at all. Because like Romans 12 says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, that's, you're different. You're like Jesus. You're like Jesus. And in closing, we'll throw out this one more piece because I don't want anyone here to believe that I don't, Feel, and I don't believe that the seventh day isn't important. I do, 100%. It's the significance of it. I believe the seventh day is important. Like this. Uh, what day of the year is Independence Day? July 4th. What? July 4th. July 4th. This year, I am having a huge Independence Day party at my house. Everybody come up on July 5th. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because you got everything on sale. What? Because the fifth isn't the day. The, what do you mean? <laughs> the day is the fourth. Huh? Right. Why is the Why is the fourth the day? Because on July 4, 1776, what happened? A bunch of people gathered together and signed the Declaration of Independence. July 4 is a day that stands for something really significant in history. And every year, whether you celebrate on July 4 or you celebrate on July 5 like me, because I'm very much backwards, just kidding, or you don't at all, 
Does it change the significance of July 4th? No, it does not. In fact, if I had a big party on July 5th, most all y'all wonderful people and my neighbors and my friends and co-workers would probably say, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Half price. Half price, that's right. Every week, every seven days, we pass through a day that is attached to a point in history where something really significant happened. And that was the day thousands of years ago that God brought forth a huge amount of evidence to who he is and the kind of person he is. And he took a break and he rested his case. And he said, I'll let you decide. Every seven days, it points to that day when God said, I rest my case. I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to make you believe something. I want you to determine for yourself what to believe. I want you to decide based on the evidence who to trust. I want you to be fully persuaded in your own mind. Isaiah 1, Jesus, God says, come let us reason together. I rest my case. That's the kind of God I can get in line with. That's the kind of God I can trust. That's the kind of God that waits for you. Every seven days that happens. And so we, as Seventh-day Adventists, and as Collective Journey, we choose to gather on the seventh day. No one here is forced to show up. No one here is forced to speak or share. No one here is, is expected to give of an offering or is expected to, to drink of whatever. If you don't come or you do, it's okay. We accept you and love you for who you are as you are. And that's what God does. That's why the Sabbath is important. That's why we worship on the seventh day. Any questions about that? And then we'll close. Any thoughts? We'll just let you all chew on that. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear God, I praise you. And I thank you that you are a God of freedom. You are a God of choice. You are a God of reality. You are a God of healing. I praise you that we're not robots, that you don't just show up to us and change our brain and make us believe and do things. God, you are, you're someone who can create life, but you cannot create character because character is developed by our decisions. I praise you that you desire to create your character in us, to restore us to your original design, but you can't force that. All you can do is present evidence and let us free to choose. And based on that choice is how our character is developed. And Lord, I love the fact that the Sabbath points directly to that. And Lord, as we get closer to you and as we're changed to be like you, we find ourselves treating other people the same way. You can't force them to heal. You can't force them to grow. If they're not ready, they're not ready. But we still love them. We still have compassion toward them. And that's an evidence. Those are all evidences that point to the truth, God, as I believe them. So, God, we just ask that on the Sabbath, every seven days, we pass through this day called Sabbath. We call it Sabbath. 
but help us to remember why it's so important. Because it's the day that thousands of years ago you gave all this evidence and then you said, I rest it, I take a break, decide for yourself. You gave us this tool to help us determine if you're trustworthy and it's called the Sabbath. God, may we carry the Sabbath in our hearts every day of the week as we work to separate ourselves from this world and as we work to grow. May tomorrow we heal. May Monday we grow. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then next week as we come to celebrate Sabbath again and we rest from our work and we're not forcing anybody to do anything. We're not requiring anybody to do anything. We're here to just to demonstrate what being Christ-like looks like. May the result of that Give us the energy and the joy to just do the process all over again and then bring people in along the side. Thank you for who you are, we pray. In your name, amen. Amen. amen.